the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together and a lot to talk about today. This is very important, what I'm about to do in today's Wink, what you need to know. Uh, In a few moments, we'll talk with uh, Representative Annette Glenn. Uh, she is running for state Senate. She's currently in the state house in Michigan, a fascinating woman, great leader, and a great friend of um, mine is Gary Glenn, her husband. And so Annette's running. We'll talk with her about what's happening in Michigan. And then we'll talk with uh, Rita Diller. Rita Diller is um, serving in a very particular role uh, at the American Life League. She is replacing the late Jim Sedlak, who passed away suddenly a few months ago. And we'll talk with her about this effort to stop Planned Parenthood. And uh, really will be uh, fun to talk to her. But first, what you need to know. This is a very important progression that I want to show you about what happened and how the media and the polling companies and the politics caused a bunch of people to gather together and to act in a way that was not appropriate. And I'm not talking about January 6, 2021. I'm talking about January of 2017. And what I would call the Hillary coup and the reaction to the Hillary coup. So you have to go back in time to 2016 and try to understand this, the, the, this sort of landmark events in the, in the calendar year of 2016 that culminated with the loss by Hillary Clinton of the presidency. Now, uh, just the emblem of this could be the multi-million, I think it was a million dollars, maybe not multi-million dollars, but certainly very, very expensive confetti that was uh, hung from the roof of the Jacob Javits Center, a massive convention hall in New York City, uh, down on the west side of New York City on the Hudson River, this massive space that was where Hillary Clinton's celebration was going to be. The shards of confetti, the confetti itself was in, it was paper to look like shards of glass because Hillary was breaking the glass ceiling, first woman president. And for months and months and months, really for years, they had been preparing the American people for the fact that Hillary Clinton was going to be the first president. Very few people thought Donald Trump had any chance to win. Very few in the general election. He had gone through this incredible drubbing, the Billy Bush video. He didn't have as much money as his opponent. He wasn't really running a ground game. He was running sort of on earned media, all these kinds of things. And Hillary Clinton had every advantage. She'd raised hundreds of millions of dollars into the Clinton Foundation, which had broadened her uh, financial uh, base and appeal. She was widely considered to be the safe choice of Wall Street and others who would who would come in. There wouldn't be any of these taking on China. She was a known commodity who would continue the status quo very much in line with uh, Obama, very much in line with uh, her, her, her husband. And the idea was she was going to win. Everybody agreed on it. 
And all, the drumbeat from the media was President Hillary Clinton. There was magazine covers and on and on and on. And remember, there was un, there was crazy things happening during the year. Uh, early on, James Comey, the FBI director, says uh, Hillary Clinton is not uh, inv- a part of the investigation. Uh, that was uh, of uh, about June or so uh, that that her um, uh, computers or whatever that was not a factor. Then a week or two before the election, he puts out that letter that says we've had to go back and look at some things. There there were craziness, but nobody thought that Donald Trump would win. And when it happened. And let me pause the power of the media and the power of big media and big tech to reinforce the message that she was going to win was extraordinary. Polling data, anecdotal data, the power of big government to play a role is pretty clear, right? We now know that the Steele dossier was handed off to the FBI, who made sure that it got legs and therefore it became not only an investigation in the in, in, in later, but at the time was a story people talked about. And they were they were feeding this frenzy that Trump couldn't win. Trump wouldn't win. Trump wasn't even close. People there were articles written about how as soon as Trump's done losing in 2016, the Republican Party will reset and go back to serious candidates. Then election night happens. And Trump wins. And for all those people that were conditioned to believe that the election was Hillary's, you know what they thought? They thought, holy cow, we've been conditioned to believe this. Something was wrong with the election. They said millions and millions of Americans, something was wrong with the election. Something went wrong. And at the time, Hillary said, I can't believe this happened. Something must have gone wrong. And pretty quickly, the message crystallized around Russia, Russia, Russia. And millions of Americans agreed with the the Democrats that something had happened. That's what they believed. There was no evidence presented. There was no courts that considered any contested states, any election systems, and no courts considered any of that in the months that followed the November 2016 election. So by the time you get to January, it's time for the Constitution to kick in, whether you believed Al Gore won in Florida in 2000 or Hillary Clinton somehow won in 2016. The Constitution kicked in and we had another president. But for millions of Americans, millions, they were on, on inauguration day. They were, remember the videos? They were screaming at the sky. The, a bunch of women gathered with pink hats that looked so ridiculous and sad and crazy. They, they, they were, but they were so upset that they rioted. They rioted. And then in the month, in, in December of 2016, in January of 2017, Forces in the White House, the Obama White House, including Joe Biden and others, said we got to do something. They got General Flynn. They forced General Flynn to resign. They basically created this obsession over Russia and they created a pressure and they affected a, a, a minor coup. Right. I don't think they actually took out the government, but they certainly made it so for, I don't know, 40 million dollars in 18 months. Mueller investigated a report on Russia collusion that would have explained the mindset of people who were rioting on Inauguration Day 2017. Now, my question to you is, can you read the minds of the rioters? 
were the people who were rioting on, on, in January of 2017, burning cars, wearing pink uh, uh, women's hats, screaming. Madonna member said we could should somehow bomb the White House, I think she said. Something like that, maybe. Uh, some, someone said something like that from the stage at, that, at the women's rally. What was the mindset of those people? The mindset of the people was after a year or more of being told Hillary was going to be president, they could not believe that she wasn't president and they fell to an excuse. And the excuse, again, was never proven in court. No court ever adjudicated that there was fraud in the 2016 election. In fact, the Mueller report said there was no evidence of any collusion even with the Russians or anybody else. But that's what people believed. That was what. So was that a coup? Well, history will write the, 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 the long story of what, what the conduct that occurred by the Obama White House, by some of the FBI and others. That looks like a coup. But the individuals that gathered to burn cars and to act insanely and, and terribly in January of 2017, they believed because the media had conditioned them to believe it. That Hillary was supposed to be president and they couldn't wrap their head around anything different. And Hillary and others were not going to let them wrap their head around. They were going to say there was fraud. They were going to say, you can't explain this by one side winning. You see what I'm doing here? All of that is a description of what you need to know about what happened when one set of people had come to believe that the system was broken. Now, you and I could have a conversation about whether that, that was a total fraud, that there was no that there was no way people should have reasonably believed that Hillary could lose. But that's what they've been told. That's how they felt. That was their mindset. I think I can't read their minds, but I'm guessing. And what we're watching in Washington, D.C., the select committee of the U.S. House, Nancy Pelosi's handpicked band of of show trialers are going to now say we can read the minds of the people who came to Washington in January of 2021, and we can read their minds and say not they had a good faith belief that something was wrong in the elections, just like Hillary's people. There was no evidence presented in the courts, I agree, that proved that there was problems with the election, not in 2016 and not in 2020 yet. In either case. At least in 2016, we got to the bottom of the supposed Russia collusion, and there was none. But Nancy Pelosi and the gang are going to read the minds of the people that came, and they're going to not say that their minds were, after five years of having been lied to by the media on the Russia hoax, on other hoaxes, on how they treated Trump, a whole bunch of Americans believed something wasn't right in the 2020 election. And what their expression of that was to come to Washington, a bunch of them, and say something's not right. Before you move ahead with the Constitution, can't we stop and find out what happened? That, that's what I think people felt. And yet the Democrats are going to read the minds of the American people, and they're going to say to the cameras, and it's going to be magnified and amplified, they're going to say these people wanted a coup. There's no evidence of that. They won't be able to put one single person up that says, oh, yeah, there was evidence that these people wanted a coup or an insurrection or an armed insurrection. No, exactly the opposite. They were worried that the system wasn't working just like Hillary Clinton's people were, just like the people that rioted in January of 2017. I think, again, I can't read their minds, but I don't see any evidence 
that shows that the the people in 2017 were uh, uh, trying to have a coup or an insurrection. They were upset and they weren't sure why it happened like this. In fact, in some ways, the the Hillary rioters in 2017 are more to blame than the ones on January 6th. At least on January 6th, they were saying there's a process that's about to take place under the Constitution. Can't we pause and figure it out, which has happened in history? But my point here is you watch the show trials that are about to take place. And what you need to know is the Democrats are going to read the minds of the American people. They're going to stand up there and they're going to say, we'll read your minds and know your intentions and judge you by what we think your intentions and your and your your thoughts were. Is there anything more dangerous than that? I don't think there's anything more dangerous than people in elected office with power to influence how we live. And in some cases, law enforcement power with how whether you're free or not. There's there's people sitting in jail in D.C. right now for what the Democrats and others impute, guess, read their minds to say was something other than a political rally. With people that did some things wrong, breaking windows, pushing people, hitting cops, all wrong. But the lie that's been told about it has been framed in such a way to read everybody's minds and to be able to say, we can tell what not only what your intentions were, but what your thoughts were. Now, hypocrisy, as I tell you all the time, is not a distinguishing characteristic in politics. And Nancy Pelosi doesn't care about being hypocritical. Hypocrisy doesn't matter to Joe Biden, not to any of them. But you and I should be worried about the precedent that's being set right now and about the power of the media, big media, big tech, and big government. All right, more on this later. We'll take a break. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And our next guest is a friend of mine for many years. Um, her name is Annette Glenn. She's a state representative and she's running for state Senate, of course, for years. And Gary was on the show a lot. Gary Glenn has been working with me on a various a number of uh, policy issues. And so these are the Glenns from Michigan, a sort of first family, I'd say that royalty in, in Michigan. And Annette, so Annette, you're in the Senate race. First of all, tell us What's how what's going on in Michigan? What's I mean, there's been some coverage of the governor's race. People got knocked off the ballot. What's what's going on in Michigan? Is Michigan Trump country? Is Michigan uh, what's happening there? Michigan is angry country. We have some (laughs) of the toughest lockdowns in the entire country, which uh, made 10 people feel like they could knock off the governor. So we had uh, three weeks ago, we had 10 people who had submitted over the 15,000 required signatures to get on the ballot. Mm -hmm. As the Secretary of State looked through those, it looked like some of the petition firms that uh, were paid to gather signatures from some of the candidates had not necessarily acquired those legally. And so five candidates were disqualified. There's a couple still going through some legal processes, but we expect that we now will only have five to choose from on our August 2nd primary. Uh, we're talking with Annette Glenn. And by the way, the website for her is uh, AnnetteGlenn.com. I'll put it up on social media. Um, there's lots in that. And there's two N's, two T's, and uh, two N's at the end, AnnetteGlenn.com. So uh, she's running uh, for state senate in the, up in the area of the Bay, Midland, and Saginaw counties. Um, okay, so back to this real quickly on this, the governor's race. 
five of them knocked out. I, we were talking off the air and you said, you know, there's still lawsuits ongoing. It may turn out that some get back on. But it's odd to me that they that five campaigns messed up so broadly. Was is there, you know, is there fraud involved? Is there dirty tricks involved? What's the developing story? Anything? Definitely, I'd say definitely fraud by the petition gatherers. There's some conversation about whether there's going to be some prosecution. Mm-hmm. It looks like there's at least 68,000 signatures that are not legal signatures wow. where petition gatherers uh, did what they're calling a round robin, where they would pass the petitions around to each other and they would fill in names that were not their own, but in different writing so that it wasn't as easy to catch as if you just looked straight at that. So you had three newcomers, three people who had not been really involved in politics before that probably just uh, did an interview process and thought they could trust these. Then you have two that were considered fairly high front runners, Chief Craig uh-huh. and uh, Perry Johnson, who both had, in, had worked with the same consultant at some point in time, hmm. and they also were kicked off. So uh, even, even with a consultant, they still ended up with a petition company that was not doing it fraudulently. Hmm. My understanding is that petition company reached out to some ballot initiatives, and some of them were well aware that they did not have a great reputation and did not use them for their petition gathering. I see. So those that uh, used those ended up in some trouble. It's just a boy. Sounds like just a mess, but it'll be it'll be resolved. When's the primary? When is the primary? What date? August second. August second. So it's coming fast. Okay, Annette Glenn, what's the big? You're running for state senate um, up in Idaho. Our friend uh, uh, Tammy Nichols, who won her primary up there. There were lots of primaries where there was a conservative versus. Uh, whether you call it a moderate rhino, whatever establishment, whatever. And it was lots of those battles in Idaho. The, the primary was a few weeks ago. Is Michigan played out that way? Is there lots of these in the, in the primary, these battles? Are you, are you in that kind of a, a, a situation? There are definitely some of those battles going on in Michigan. I will say that I'm in one of the most interesting races ever. Uh, <laughs> as you know, in politics, it's not unusual when you move to a new seat that other people may jump in um, and maybe even people that you've served with or worked with. It's very unusual to have people who contributed and volunteered on your campaign then to decide to run against you when they're not unhappy with anything you've done. So that has been an interesting thing. I am unabashedly pro-life, pro-Second Amendment. Um, I've been in the middle of the battle to protect parental rights. Um, And as a former state champion, I'm also in the battle to protect women's sports. Back when I was in high school back in the 80s, you know, we didn't have as many sports as the young man did. Uh, so I had the opportunity to run track and some other sports, but my younger siblings had the opportunity to do many more sports that I didn't. So in our uh, state budget, we put in some language that just simply says, if you want state funding, you need to have a policy that only girls play in girls sports. Hmm. Well, there you go. That's it seems like common sense. And and so. Um, all right. And and Michigan now, you said it's an angry state, meaning what the economy between the economy and the and the uh, inflation. Is that is that, what's the issue? Oh, what's, economy, yeah, economy, yeah. inflation. Um, our gas prices just hit 519 as an average. Wow. And that's as an average, which means there's other places in Michigan that um, it's higher and a few that are lower. So that has everybody concerned about just the cost of driving to work. And uh, we still have state employees in the vast majority that are not back in offices. They're still working remote. So if you're trying to do business with state government, still trying to get your unemployment, still trying to get permits, 
to uh, build back after we had the dam failures so within my district. Those are all challenges that we're still facing. So people are angry that they're paying for government. They're not getting their money's worth and they are taking it in the shorts every time they go to buy groceries. Um, if you can find the groceries you want in the grocery store, we have the supply line issue up here as well as anywhere. One of my opponents, um, first, let's get back to education here for a minute. One of yeah. my primary opponents was the sponsor to provide the funding to implement Common Core. And as we saw what happened in Virginia and other places in the state, education has become a huge issue in parents' mind. They want to be able to have input into their kids' education. They want to be able to have control at, uh, at the local ish, at local level. And so mm -hmm. between him providing funding for Common Core and also being the lead sponsor for that national popular vote that was funded by George Soros, right. I would say I am the most conservative candidate easily in this race. Uh, how does the how does the issue of election integrity uh, play out there? I know that there's the, there is a secretary of state race, I think, right, that's coming up. But we've seen that uh, issue become in some ways more popular with the um, with the conservatives and with Republican voters at the same time that the media continues to sort of uh, try to move past it. What's the what is the state of uh, play on that issue? There's no question that election integrity is very important here in Michigan. I am blessed to serve with a, a township clerk. One of the ladies that was elected the same time I was has worked many, many elections. And so when you look at things not being done right and things being done right, she's been our go-to, which has been great. Um, so trying to outlaw third-party access to our voter list, which was a challenge up here in Michigan. And then another challenge is uh, we have an auditor general who goes through an audit, uh, nonpartisan, goes through an audit to all departments and had gone through the secretary of state before this election question and said our roles needed to be cleaned up. But instead of cleaning them up further, what our secretary of state did was actually add back everybody that had been removed in the last, I believe it was 10 years. So if you passed away 10 years ago, moved to another state, moved to another jurisdiction, you got added back in and then mailed applications for ballots to all of those people. So people were getting 10, 12 ballots at their home without having, or not ballots, wow. but the application for ballots, which uh -huh. concerned a lot of people. Yeah. Some people were in brand new homes and they couldn't figure out why they were getting applications when they had not requested them. So as opposed to using that money from the federal government to, um, you know, hire more election workers or to hire machines that could open ballots quicker so that we could process things quicker and make sure that we had chain of custody in place. That's mm -hmm. not what happened in Michigan. So that does have a lot of people concerned. Um, I think the numbers in Michigan show somewhere between about 60 percent of Republicans and not much short of that Democrats have concerns. Yeah. And uh, voter ID is something that we've been trying to implement. And that's been getting vetoed by the governor. We wanted to put something very simple on the top of ballots that said you could only vote once. And yeah. if you vote more than once, it's a felony. And she vetoed that legislation. So we're in the process of getting something on the ballot, which would require ID in the future and require that we follow chain of custody so that we can determine um, that our elections are secure and safe and that we get the results for the people that voted.
Uh, we're talking again with uh, Annette Glenn and uh, AnnetteGlenn.com is her website. You go there, the about page, you can see, and I know this because her husband, Gary is my friend, put out a picture of you running. You were, you were not, you were, you were burying the lead a little bit. You were, you were a high school state champion. I think it was. And on, on, the, was. About, on the about page, you can see that uh, uh, your history and, and uh, your life and all the things you did. Uh, and it's uh, pretty great. Plus that picture, which is, he loves sending out of you running uh, in the, he does in the, love that picture. <laughs> uh, one of my coaches, took that picture Uh and then uh, there were only two seniors on the team we did not have a large girls track team but managed Uh with 13 of us uh, to still win the state championship so not only was state champ in that race but our team of 13 women uh, were able to accumulate enough points to be state champs as a team as well yeah, I was uh, looking and, and I'll, I'll we'll finish up by saying, go AnnetteGlenn.com. I've known her for a long time, but when you read the about page uh, at the towards the bottom, uh, two of Annette's passions, uh, military, the men and women that serve her husband uh, was uh, in the military. She, her, your, your dad was, and then uh, also some of your family, your children's, I think one husband, but also education. I've known for years. That's one of the things you have cared so much about. So it's an interesting uh, time. I wish you well in this election and we'll have you on again before Thank we get to August and get an update, especially after we get the news on these governor's races. I, I mean, this governor race, it's, that, that's a big race. I suspect the way the wind is blowing, I'll ask you, the way the wind is blowing um, in terms of the voters, that the governor of Michigan, that, that's one that the Republicans can win. They've got to get a campaign together and figure out who the candidate is, but it feels like the right uh, environment. Does that seem right to you? I would say the environment is right. Uh, you mentioned the three counties that I'm going to be representing, Midland, Bay City, and Saginaw. Uh-huh. I can tell you that her numbers are about as low as you can get in Bay County. Hmm. They are uh, below 30% approval rating. So just right for having a new governor and uh, turning the state around. Yeah. Okay. Well, Annette Glenn, AnnetteGlenn.com. I'll put it up on social media. Thank you, Annette. Uh, best of luck out there and give Gary our best. And uh, we will take a break, everybody. And we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I'll put this all up on social media. You can check it there. Be right back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Haven't talked to him in a few weeks. I heard old friend Ted Malik, but I have been with him. Because as the Davos stuff happened, Ted, I gathered off my bookshelf this incredible picture of this young man who I don't recognize. He's got dark hair and he's got his he's got his hand thoughtfully on the side of his face. And the book is Davos, Aspen and Yale. My life behind the elite curtain as a global Sherpa, uh, Ted Malik's book. And I, I looked at that as they all the Davos stuff was going on, Ted. I was I know you were busy with lots of things. I was looking at your book and thinking about all this stuff. And I just I my my thought. You know, the news broke over the weekend. I don't know if it broke, but there was coverage on some of the conservative sites that the Bilderberger Group, uh, which has a sort of uh, echo of the Davos, it's been meeting since the 1950s in America, uh, met in Washington, D.C., nicknamed uh, Bilderbergers based on, the, I think, the hotel resort they met at. But the late Phyllis Schlafly tracked that group back when they met down in Georgia on one of those uh, Sea Island or one of the Georgia co- conference centers in the 60s and wrote about it in uh, A Choice, Not an Echo. So, Ted, a serious question on this. Our guest is Ted Malik, of course. Are these globalists? I mean, are they um, do we know more about them because of the way the world is now? And and I think that's true. But are they more effective? Are they having more of an impact than they did in your time or in Phyllis's time? Well, it's an insightful question. Uh, and, and it does suggest that globalism and its tendencies 
has been around for actually a very long period of time. Uh, it has come, it has waned, it has come back. I thought it was dead. Uh, I wrote very famously about Davos man being dead, but clearly he's still meeting. Um, I think that they do try to be secretive. There is more transparency now than there has been in the past. They are still very elitist, very choosy about the kind of woke individuals that get invited to these things. It's hardly a representative or man in the street kind of category. Mm -hmm. And they are out for one thing, which is control. They want to control us, every life, every limb, every aspect of what we do. And to some extent, you'd have to say, given recent events and COVID in particular, the pandemic, they've had some success. Yeah. And now with Biden in the White House and all over the world, actually, they're trying this great reset. So, yeah, it certainly feels like it. I mean, you could say, well, COVID happened and, you know, was it a plan? Well, who knows if it was a plan? But I mean, certainly the when, you know, the old uh, Obama White House used to say, never let a crisis go to waste. Um, you know, and then, and then here we are. We're talking with uh, Ted Malika, the author and businessman. And so, Ted, you've been around the world a bit these days, uh, traveling over in uh, Italy, traveling in uh, in London during the Jubilee celebration of the Queen. Um, uh, what is, you mentioned it, what is the sense in the world? You're a guy who's been operating internationally for decades now um is ukraine dominating anybody i mean it's off the news now i mean nobody's mentioning it now is uh is the world recession that seems to be predicted and you know a few weeks ago you wrote a column at america greatness future misery and joe biden which mm -hmm. talks a little bit about that what's the what's your sense as you've been out in the in the world's scene uh, of where people think we are well I, I think in london for at least four days there was uh near ex exuberance around the phenomenal uh, seven-decade-long reign of uh, the gracious uh, Prince Elizabeth II. So that took the minds, at least for a few days, off of politics as normal. And then, of course, yesterday they had a no-confidence vote on, on yeah, our yeah, friend exactly. Boris Johnson. Exactly, yeah. and it didn't last very long. And 41 <laughs> members of his own party said, get rid of the bump. Right, um, right. I would say in the rest of Europe, there is very deep concern about inflation, as there is in the United States, about rising prices, about the lack of goods and supply chain issues, and what everyone talks about now, the recession that's already begun. That, that, that's right. That's You think that too? You're, you're solidly there? Well, yeah, I think the numbers support it. So, you know, it's, it's not some kind of figment of my imagination. Um, I, I, I think that sound uh, economists would say, you know, we had 1.4 negative uh, quarter of growth, and this coming quarter will be negative again, probably by over 1%. So that's two consecutive quarters, negative growth. Everybody knows where we are. The administration knows where we are, and that's why they're going to take uh, more than a shellacking. Um, what happens, though, in the modern era with a recession? Um, this is, uh, you know, some people say, I heard a commentator this morning says, well, you know, recessions as an entity are a sort of correction uh, and you shouldn't really you shouldn't really look at it as it's not a depression um it's a correction except what happens in this environment we've had we have inflation we haven't had a recession with this kind of inflation I, at least not since the what the 70s late 70s i mean yeah, since the late 70s so we have stagflation uh, and the inflation is is ripping at a you know 42 year high how deep the recession will be is still a question of debate i i don't want to argue that it's going to be a long and deep depression, as you suggest it might be. Uh, 
it could be a two-quarter, three-quarter, four-quarter recession. But it does mean that, uh, you know, we're going we're to take some more pain and uh, people are going to have a hard time repaying their debt. Uh, the housing market is going to cool down. Uh, jobs are not going to be so abundant. And, um, yeah, it's going to hurt if you've got a 401k. Um, <laughs> all right. So what what would you what could you do besides getting the Republicans in power to at least put a check on things? What what's the you know, uh, um, uh, Joe Biden and uh, Janet Yellen and a few others got a lot of grief for having no answer when they said, <laughs> are you inflation? She finally admitted inflation. They said, what can you do? And he said, well, there's not much we can do. What I, know, we- I, I appreciate her honesty. I, <laughs> yeah. And she called herself an economist, which is not quite the truth either. But uh, she uh, she said I was wrong, which is uh, is something you don't hear from any political actors these days. Yeah. So fighting inflation, obviously, look in the rearview window. There are things we should have done, and they revolve largely uh, around our energy supply in the United States, which has, um, of course, <clears throat> been a war since day one in, in this Biden administration. Uh, so there is little that you can do now. It's in the hands of the feds. Uh, and, um, you know, I don't have great confidence in, in their actions. So we're going to be in for this uh, period, which is not temporary and it's not transitory, as they initially said. I've just finished writing an article, which will appear probably in the next few days, uh, about ESG, which is called Environmental, Social, and Governance Standards uh-huh. in Investing. ESG is now $6 trillion in terms of invested funds, and I think it's a scam. And uh, your readers and listeners might be interested to find out why that's the case if you yeah. read that in the next few days. Well, well, we'll have you back on next week to talk about that one. Um, one more question about Europe and London um, uh, and the ongoing war in Ukraine. Again, where the, I, I don't trust any of the coverage uh, uh, that I see anywhere about anything anymore. I mean, I look at it all and I say, who, you know, who's who's running what hoax on me. Um, and but what what's the sense in, say, London and other places about Ukraine and and where do we end up? Well, London is a great cheerleader, as you know, for Zelensky yeah. and Ukraine, right. uh, amongst all Europeans and probably even in, in front of Biden. So there is a. I mean, there, there is some sense in London that the Ukraine situation is maybe going well or is at best a stalemate. I think it uh, it just goes on and on and on. It's a very, very, very sad state of affairs. It could have been avoided with the right diplomatic actions had we had a real secretary of state. Uh, so I, I don't see how that's going to um, resolve itself. Kissinger said that he could sit down and do this negotiation, but there's no interest in what he's suggesting. Hmm. Um, so we end up with this sort of dragged on uh, occupation of half of Ukraine and the world moves on and America keeps funding it. One fifth of the Ukraine to be exact, uh, according to Zelensky himself, I guess you can include, um, you know, Crimea in those statistics and it goes on and on. In fact, the artillery shelling uh, escalates. It doesn't look like for the moment Putin is going to use tactical or nuclear weapons but yeah, it's it's a great drain. I mean, America's already forty billion in. We've got our own problems. And you have to question, you know, whether this is the way we should be investing our future defense dollars. 
We're talking with Ted Malik again. All right, Ted, finish up with that. You referenced it, and I jumped over it because I wanted to ask you about mm-hmm. Europe again. Um, the fall, the fall in America, um, uh, you're seeing some of the elections, uh, primary elections, but they don't tell you much about head-to-head Democrat versus Republican. Again, mm-hmm. tell me, I know you've said on, on this show and other places that you Yeah, I've been very optimistic and, and saying, you know, it's like 75 or more. And now Newt Gingrich, I guess, has come around to that same number. I think the Democrats dig themselves into a deeper and deeper hole. I know they're going to have their showcase trial tonight, which reminds me of Soviet show trials. Uh, I don't think we'll have any uh, effect whatsoever. And in, in these key races, the Republicans seem to have an advantage when you look at certain gubernatorial races. This, uh, I guess, bellwether Pennsylvania situation, which I follow as a former Pennsylvanian very closely, it looks like Dr. Oz will be the next senator from the Commonwealth state. Hmm. Yep. Amazing times. All right. As always, thank you, uh, Ted Malik. Great to have you back on and back stateside. We'll talk next week when that uh, next column comes out uh, of yours and get an update on that. So uh, thank you. Uh, we'll take good. Talk to you. We will take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The student loan crisis has reached epidemic levels as evidenced by more than $1.7 trillion in outstanding debt. No one denies this problem. However, the left mistakenly claims that throwing money at the problem by forgiving student loan debt will solve it. The real culprits are the university elites who conspire to overcharge Americans for the privilege of being indoctrinated by far-left professors preaching to their captive audiences. In 1971, the average cost of one year at a public university was only $1,410, which was merely 16% of median household income. Families could afford college then without going into debt. But by 2018, the average annual cost at a public university had risen to $21,370, which constituted a whopping 35% of the median household income. That means most families have to go into debt to put a child through a public college, let alone two or three children in college. At private colleges, the costs are far higher and thus the debt much greater. Among students graduating from college today, more than half are in debt with student loans. Worse, good jobs are not available to new college graduates today, except in mostly STEM-related fields. Universities have made this situation worse by lengthening the time periods for obtaining bachelor's and graduate degrees. Today, less than half of the students who enroll at a four-year college actually graduate within four years, and only about 60% graduate within even six years. This winding path is enormously expensive and wasteful, as the student is typically then unable to work at a full-time job during those years of peak productivity. Forgiving student loan debt is only a band-aid on a gaping wound. We need to hold universities accountable for what they charge young people in college tuition. The best way is to cut off their limitless funds by discontinuing the practice of federally backing student loans. While this may sound drastic to some people, Only drastic action will permanently fix this drastic problem. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The liberal agenda is corrupting classrooms in colleges and schools across the country. 
If you're a parent, teacher, or administrator who really cares about our children, we promise to keep you informed at phyllisschlafly.com. And let us hear from you at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Just got a few seconds to wrap things up. So let me just say thank you, as always. Thank you to Noah Dingley, our great producer, uh, to our associate producer, Joanna Spilger, and to you for our listeners. And please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the daily email there. And we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thank you for listening. America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.